Wicked's, Wicked's World, World with on Mike Des Wicked on 1350 ESPN. On a Friday, how's it going? Wicked's World here on 1350 ESPN, streaming live on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Coming up, we're going to uh, get into some of this baseball conversation. It's been a crazy week for baseball. Just simply the fact that it's an ugly game right now. <laughs> it's really hard to watch. Uh, we're going to talk about it and hear from some people who have played the game professionally that have some real strong opinions on it. We'll get into the NBA playoffs. But first, uh, got to talk some Iowa State, J.D. We have to talk Iowa State. And J.D. Justice is here. We have to talk some Iowa State because... Uh, it's been a very busy time for ISU since we last talked with our guest, Michael Swain, and he joins us right now on the hotline. Michael, thank you so much for joining us from CycloneAlert.com. What's up, Michael? How are you, sir? Not too much, Mike. Everything's going well. It seems like it's been a, a busy week for Iowa State here, even though we're kind of in the midst of the offseason. Yeah, this is usually your dead time, but it's definitely not. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to get into... I mean, every time I go to your website, it's like Michael Swain posted this story. Michael Swain posted this story. So I feel like we could talk about 50 different things right now. But what I want to start with is what Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports reported. And I'm sure your message boards and everybody you're talking to is all over it. Did Matt Campbell actually turn down a $68 million offer from the Lions? Or is this now just turning into a rumor without any substance? Well, that's kind of the, the question now, and for maybe those that haven't paid attention to it, obviously Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports reported earlier this week, maybe on Wednesday if I remember correctly, that Matt Campbell had turned down an eight-year, $68.5 million contract from the Detroit Lions. And today um, the Detroit Free Press ran a story that kind of goes against that with some sourcing from the Lions organization that says that the Lions never actually offered Matt Campbell the contract. Now I think you're maybe – parsing some details there the the word formal offer was used so i think that that's probably where the the sticking point comes and i think that there's a funny saying that you know no one ever turns down a job that they weren't ever offered and i think that you look at what kind of is happening and it's just a weird number to throw out there if you're thinking about dennis dodd's perspective of this where 68 and a half million eight years that's just a, a really specific number to throw out there out of the blue if it's not even sourced so i i find a hard time believing that the line didn't at least approach him you know, we do know that the Jets were interested in maybe getting to talk to Matt Campbell, and it seems like now that the Lions were in there too. But I think that Matt Campbell is maybe the type of person that isn't going to necessarily look to go to some of these organizations in the NFL that maybe don't have the track record of stability, of success, and really allowing maybe some of their coaches or, you know, personnel people to maybe run things. So I think, you know, in general, big picture, um, it's hard to say for a fact if Matt Campbell was, in fact, offered the physical contract. But I think it's safe to say there was interest from the Lions. I mean, I swear, if that man turned down $8.5 million a year, and I get it, Ames is a great place, they're building the program, but would you be surprised? I mean, how shocked would you be, I guess, if it actually is true that he said no? And is it more of an indictment on the Lions or, uh, you know, a, a, an advertisement for what he's really trying to do in Ames? Um, I think it's the latter. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he turned it down because I think, in my time on the beat, I've learned that Matt Campbell is a different head coach than most mm -hmm. in college football. He's not looking to jump at the next big thing or jump at the next big job. If he was, he would have left for Texas, Tennessee, any one of these big names that would have come calling over the last few years. But he's different. You know, he has different aspirations. He's more of a, you know, kind of an old-fashioned coach, if you will, in the fact that he's really looking to develop young men, develop a culture, and have it be player-led. I think that 
with what he's been able to do at Iowa State, I think he's showing that you can win and you can be a Big 12 title contender at Iowa State. And if you are a Big 12 title contender, then by proxy you're going to be a college football playoff candidate, you know, at least in the current format of things. So I think if you're Matt Campbell, you're looking at things of saying, okay, is this situation better than what I have now? Because Matt Campbell has a great relationship with Jamie Pollard. That's a big thing. The athletic director at Iowa State, he has plenty of control over the program. It is his program to run. He has a great staff that he works with that he has a lot of continuity with over the years. You know, this isn't something where every year other schools are coming in and taking, you know, staff members year in and year out. This is a staff that has a lot of continuity. So it's a really secure job for Matt Campbell right now. And the fact that at Iowa State, he has a really good team coming back for this season and beyond. You look at kind of the talent that they've been able to, you know, kind of cultivate on the roster. There's reason to believe that this is a program that could kind of continue to maybe not be at the college football playoff level year in and year out because that's just a hard thing to do in general. But, you know, once every four, five years, you get a special team, you could compete for that. But I think year in and year out, Matt Campbell's at the point where this thing is can be a Big 12 title contender, you know, just year on year out, in year out. But $68 million, it's just a ton of jack to uh, to turn down. Hey, uh, before we turn into, you know, talking more about this football team and, and whatnot, what was the relief like? What was the reaction like? I assume everybody's just excited now that Jamie Pollard announced uh, that tailgating can happen and the stadium can be at full capacity, 61,000-plus come September. Oh, yeah, everyone's super pumped about that. I think that... For fans last year, it was really challenging, right? Because the Louisiana game, the Kansas State game, fans weren't even allowed in the stadium, you know, let alone tailgating and all that. So to all of a sudden kind of get to the point where, you know, last year you could have some fans at some games, but it wasn't really a full house. But then to September 4th, be able to have a full kind of tailgate day. I'm not sure what the kickoff time is yet. That has not been announced. But to be able to have a tailgating atmosphere, to have fans back in the stadium, be able to pack it, I think that's going to be really special. And I think for me personally, I'm really looking forward to that Seahawk game in week two on September 11th because that's one of those I think you could have a really iconic atmosphere. You think about if it's a night game, you have a full day of tailgating, it's a rivalry game, it's the first rivalry game in two years. You know, you've got a top 10 program in Iowa State, a top 15 team most likely in Iowa. You know, that could be a really, really special atmosphere. Michael, you know who's really excited about all of this is the neighborhood bars and restaurants. That's who's really excited about yes. all that. Um, and, and i got to tell you, I'm going to ask you this, full-blown here, all right? Who do you feel has the better chance of winning that Cyhawk game? Is this the best chance that the uh, Cyclones have had in a long time where it's almost like they're, they, they're the bigger team for once? For sure, and I, well, I think you have to look at it in, in the sense of Iowa State now has a basically it's full two deep coming back. It's got a Heisman candidate in Brees Hall. They've got the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in Mike Rose. You've got a three-time All Big 12 safety in Greg Eisworth back. And I think if I would have to look back at maybe some of the past betting spreads for the game, but I think that this will be an Iowa State by six plus points. I think favored. So I think that this is probably the best opportunity Iowa State has had of the Campbell era to get a win in this game, which I think if you're Iowa State, it would be a big deal, but also just for bragging rights, being able to use that on the recruiting trail, it's a really big opportunity for Iowa State. So basically, if Little Brother's going to pull it off, this is the year to do it, to beat Big Brother. This would be the year to actually get it done. And as we're talking with CycloneAlert.com's Michael Swain here on 1350 ESPN. Michael, I, I feel like I kept going to your website, and I was looking for news out of spring. And really, for the most part, there wasn't a ton of news out of spring. 
Did anything happen in spring practice? And I know Matt Campbell doesn't focus on a lot of hitting, and he learned that a lot from last spring. But did we learn? Did you learn anything out of Cyclone spring ball? Um, a little bit. I think we got to know a little bit more about some of maybe younger players on the roster and some of the ways that Iowa, see, Iowa State's going to try and mitigate maybe some of their weaknesses from last year. I think you look at the deep passing game as one thing, and it was interesting maybe to get some perspective from the wide receivers coach Nate Schulhouse, the quarterbacks coach Joel Gordon on that. And I think that they kind of both really had the same opinion. It was that Iowa State's going to do what it can to win football games. And if toting the rock to Bre- or yeah, giving Brees Hall the rock, you know, 15, 20, 20 plus times a game, is that going to give them wins? Then yeah, they're going to do it. And if passing the ball down the field and trying to hit Tariq Milton, Joe Skates, some of those guys down the field is going to get them wins, then they're going to try and do that. So I think we did learn maybe a little bit, but it maybe wasn't necessarily as newsworthy of a spring as you might see some other programs. But I think that that's just going to be a product of having basically the whole 2D back, not a ton of position battles to watch outside of probably safety and defensive end. So I think that overall, I think for me personally, as someone that enjoys maybe some of the inner workings of football programs, the younger guys that are coming up. I think it was a little bit more newsworthy, but in terms of the big picture, big news hitting items, it wasn't a ton of that. Yeah, I think Matt Campbell likes it that way. <laughs> I feel like he definitely is like, yeah, as long as you don't have a ton of stuff coming out of spring ball, that usually means injuries have happened, and this team has mm-hmm. not yet been beset by that whatsoever. You know, the NFL draft was a couple of weeks ago, and, and just Kine Nwangu was taken out of Iowa State. People are already talking a little bit about next year. Who's the first Cyclone do you think gets, gets taken next year when we get to the NFL draft in April of 2022? Right now, I'd probably say Brees Hall. Uh, I think Bleacher Report had him as a first-round pick in one of their most recent mock drafts. But I think you've got a couple of guys that I think could play their way into being the top draft pick from Iowa State. I think Brock Purdy, if he has a really strong senior season, he was someone that you know this time last year was getting some first-round buzz out of some of the mock drafts. So he's someone that I think could play – uh, his way into a first-round pick kind of grade, if not being the first pick for Iowa State. I really do think Will McDonald is someone, the defensive end, that could play his way into being the top pick just because you look at the NFL draft and the way that they, the things go, it's all about the trenches, right? Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they go early. And if you have a dominant defensive lineman like Will McDonald, who led FBS in sacks last year without starting a game, and he's now going to supposed to put on 15 maybe even 20 pounds this offseason, he could be a total force this fall. And with his speed, his length, his overall ability to dominate games, I think if he's able to kind of do what he did last year with 15 more pounds on him, I think he's someone that could easily kind of play his way into being the top draft pick out of Iowa State. And McDonald was a linebacker like 18 months ago. So it, it's like he's still figuring out how to play at that size, that weight, and in that position. 100%, and that was kind of the thing that last season was kind of a question going into the year was maybe where's Will McDonald going to play? And I think that you look at his game overall, you know, he's someone that has kind of the raw potential, and it's just going to take some time maybe for him to get more used to getting the counter moves and figuring out how if offensive linemen are going to double-team him, how is he going to get through that? Because that was something that he didn't necessarily have a ton of last year, right? You know, you had Jaquan Bailey, and then he was on the other side. And so he's going to have to learn how to play through double-teams and how to kind of come up with different counter moves to be able to get in the backfield. But I think if everything goes to plan like he wants it to, this is something where I think he could have another really special year. Michael, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Uh, I don't know how often people are talking about Iowa State and the NBA playoffs and putting them together, but there are cyclones sprinkled all throughout these NBA playoffs. And I keep seeing all these different stories over at cyclonealert.com. I see what you guys are putting up. It's Again, Michael, it's mostly you. But 
Have Cyclone fans had this many guys to root for in the NBA playoffs with guys that make so much of an impact? I think it's been a minute. Um, it's funny you mention that. I'm literally working on a story before I hopped on for tomorrow morning to run about some of the guys that are in the NBA playoffs. You look at George and Yang, Matt Thomas, both of them are playing for the Utah Jazz. They'll probably play the Warriors um, in the first round. Then you've got Adel Nader for the Phoenix Suns going against the Lakers, who has Taylor Horton Tucker as a rotation piece. And then, of course, you've got Monte Morris with the Denver Nuggets. So I think there's, for Iowa State fans, I think it's the first time you could turn on an NBA game, and there's a really good chance that you're going to see someone from Iowa State playing in the NBA. And I think you just have to look at you know, Tyrese Halliburton, even some of the guys maybe on the current roster who have NBA futures down the road. You know, it's really exciting for Iowa State fans to be able to now all of a sudden see a lot of their former players that you get to watch kind of grow up in college, see those guys make impacts on the NBA stage. Hey, uh, Michael, I appreciate the time so much. I guess I was just leading into you writing your article. I was reading your (laughs) line is what it really was. CycloneAlert.com on Twitter. You can follow him at mswain247. Michael, appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. We'll do it uh, down the road, I'm sure. Have a great weekend. Yep, thank you too, Mike. Appreciate it. Michael Swain from CycloneAlert.com joining us here on 1350 ESPN. Coming up here on Wicket's World, baseball, I, I, I was excited, and then I'm like, ah, oh, the product is beginning to really suck. We'll discuss it coming up next. <laughs> You're listening to Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. Back on 1350 ESPN, it's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. That is J.D. Justice. You know, I, uh, I do the morning show down on Laser, and um, Laser 103.3, J.D., and my partner, uh, Heather Lee, the other day, we were doing our sports update. Usually I handle that. Right. And uh, we were talking about Spencer Turnbull, the pitcher for the Tigers, who threw the fifth no-hitter uh, of the baseball season. And how uncommon at one time was it that there was a no-hitter in baseball? No-hitters were a thing. (laughs) It was like, oh, man, there's like one or two every year. Right. But the highlight that was played was from Dan Dickerson, who's the voice of the Tigers. And she said, er, uh, and and the the highlight was, he's the, it's the eighth no-hitter in Tigers history. He's the sixth pitcher to do it because Verlander's thrown two. Right. She said, why is it that big a deal? Six guys have done it. And I said, well... The Tigers are about 120 years old. You know, they're a 120-year-old franchise. There have been hundreds and hundreds of Detroit Tigers pitchers, and for six guys to be able to throw no-hitters in the history of one of the oldest franchises in baseball, I was like, that's a big deal, right? Like, that's a pretty big deal. She didn't quite understand that. She couldn't understand why it was a big deal that another Tigers pitcher had thrown a no-hitter. And I said, well, no-hitters are rare. They are. They are. And this was Wednesday. Okay, so the no-hitter from Turnbull was Tuesday night. And then we come in studio, and actually on, on the other night, the next night, I'm sitting there, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and I'm on my phone, and I'm like, nope, Kluber's got a no-hitter through seven. Kluber's got a no-hitter through eight. Corey Kluber's got a no-hitter going in the ninth. And he gets it. And I knew that we were going to be coming back the next morning, and Heather, who doesn't really love sports like I love sports, she said to me, can we do sports early? I said, why? Why on earth do you want to do sports early? And she wanted to rib me for simply saying that no-hitters were rare. Yet, (laughs) there were two in two straight days, and now we've had six so far this season. We are on pace 
for 23 no-hitters this year. That's crazy thinking about that. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. You know, Heather obviously does not understand the history of right? the game. Yeah. The history of, you know, any of that. So, yeah, she, it makes sense that she goes, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Six right. guys have done it, you know. Right. Six guys have done it in the Tigers. Six guys have done it this year. Six different no-hitters so far. And what's strange is it's what the Mariners... The Indians and the Rangers have all been no-hit twice. Okay, here's which a question. is crazy. Here's <laughs> a question for anybody who wants to do baseball history, Mike. Whitman. Yeah. All right. Is there any team in Major League Baseball that's never had a pitcher throw a no-hitter? It was the Padres, but then they threw a no-hitter this year. Right. I think that's it. Right? Isn't that it? I think you're right. I believe because I couldn't it. remember. That's why I wanted to toss that out there. Yeah. I know that that's a big trivia question. I think the only team left was, was San Diego, but I could be wrong about that. I, we can look that up. But I, would think, I think you and I were talking about how some, like three weeks ago, I think we were talking about how basketball is just all threes and dunks and there's nothing in the middle. Yep. That, that's not a thing anymore. And how baseball is just home runs and strikeouts. And now people are really coming around to what you and I were talking about. We're like pioneers, J.D. You're on it. We're like pioneers on this radio program. You're, you're going to start being uh, quoted on Twitter by other people here pretty soon. Don Mattingly is going to start tweeting me because Darn the right. Miami Marlins manager was actually asked about the, uh, the, the, all of the no-hitters that are being thrown so far this year. And here's what Donnie Baseball had to say after a Marlins game uh, two nights ago. You know, where, where does this get better? Because it's great for your team when a guy throws a no-no. It's great for that guy. It's a great accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. But when there's so many so early, you know, strikeouts are at an all-time high, things like that. So it tells you that there are some issues within the game that, that need to be addressed. And they, they're, they're going to take a while because it, this started 15, 16 years ago with the uh, you know, the swing changes and the philosophy changes um, with all the, you know, the analytics of the three-run homer and all that stuff. And so it, it's it's been coming and it's been building. And now we're at a point where it's, I think it's getting so much more attention because it's just a game that uh, sometimes is unwatchable. You know, you see guys you talk to and they don't, they don't even like watching games because there's nothing that goes on in them. Wow. I agree with that. Uh, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Because if you watch a baseball game, there's just not a lot of moving guys over. The stolen base is a complete lost art. Baseball is now just, can you hit the ball 450 feet? And if you can't, you're going to swing three times and miss. That's what baseball really is right now. For the longest time, the Twins and the White Sox used to battle for the lead every year or battle for the playoffs every year. And it used to be they'd play in the Dome, and they would play what was called small ball, which was just what you were talking mm-hmm. about, which was the stealing, the, the lay the bunt down, the squeeze bunt, um, the, the sacrifice flies. You know, it, it was a whole different strategy. Yeah. Where now, I watch the Twins game. First of all, I don't know all of the players on their team anymore. I can't keep track well, of them. Well, your team led the league, set the major league record for home runs last right. year. I mean, this it's, is... It, 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 it's an ugly product, and I don't know. I, I think I saw a stat that the last two Sunday night baseball games on ESPN, mm-hmm. record-setting TV ratings. Wow. Blew me away. It just blew me away because, A, I thought people are streaming everything now and nobody actually watches TV. And, B, really? Was there no NBA on? Was there no masked singer? 
Was, was, was there nothing more fun to watch than Major League Baseball? <laughs> was it like the Cardinals and Cubs or whatever? Which is fine. Like, if you're a baseball fan, you love it. But as a baseball fan myself, the product is just getting a little bit more difficult to watch. But I go back to, you know, you know, we talk about this a lot. and People have this conversation a lot. It's what is Major League Baseball going to do to get young people to watch? God, do, that's a thing. But do young people want to see... Small ball? Do they want to see 2-1 baseball games? Do they want to see six home runs hit in a game? Maybe we're learning young people want to see that. As a baseball fan, as a guy who's been watching baseball for 20, 30 years like you, uh, we're going to hear from Seth McClung here in just a second, who used to pitch in the majors. The game is completely different, and it's, it's got an unappealing spin to it right now. And Seth McClung, who used to, I think he pitched for like nine teams in baseball. He pitched for my Brewers for a while. Uh, he's now running the Big Red Baseball Academy, the Florida Gulf Coast Prospects. It's a youth, youth baseball thing down in Florida. And he went on Twitter, and this was a great rant that Seth McClung had, the former Major League pitcher, about the state of the game today. I, I've got some people on here really banging the drum about how good the pitchers are right now. Listen, the, the pitchers aren't necessarily good right now. You've got good pitchers who are dominating, dominant pitchers who are doing otherworldly things. And it's because of this. Hitters are swinging at absolutely everything. All right? Now, some people are saying, what about the balls? They're breaking so much and this and that. Listen, a few years ago, guys wouldn't have swung at that. Now they're 3-1, 2-1, and they're hitting fastballs. They're eliminating pitches. That's not happening in today's game. Guys are just swinging, 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 swinging. It, it, it's, it is what it is. They're just swinging, trying to hit home runs. There's no skill involved. No, nobody's trying to get on base. Nobody's trying to do that. They're just trying to hit home runs. So as a pitcher who now, because of analytics, understands we want the ball to spin more, we, the teams are creating more sticky stuff on their hand, we're making that ball jump out. Guys are throwing harder than they've ever thrown before, and guys, the, ba- the balls are breaking more. So you've got less time to react, which means you swing at absolute crap. There's no eliminating a pitch. You can't eliminate it. If you want to hit at the higher level, you have to eliminate a pitch or a location, take the inner half away, or you've got to sit on a fastball, sit on a breaking ball. There's none of that is going on right now. That's why it's crazy right now. It's crazy right now because hitters are only trying to hit home runs and they're swinging, Here. and pitchers don't necessarily have to throw strikes. Hey. The game is bad right now because there's a lack of skill. Throwing a baseball hard and hitting a baseball far are the two easiest things for a professional baseball player to do. You're asking them to do caveman things. The game is not skilled. These guys are very talented. They're just not very skilled. And that's why former Major League Baseball players think this game sucks. Pitchers don't have to throw strikes. That is the damnedest thing I've ever heard about baseball. They can throw junk, they can throw sliders, they can throw breaking stuff that's going to wind up in the dirt or two feet outside. And because every, and, it come, and, and listen, if you want to get big picture on this, guys are trying to hit home runs. You know why? Because guys want big contracts. Right. You don't get a big contract for having a uh, you know, 140-hit season and hitting 270. You get a big contract if you hit 40 bombs, if you knock in 90 runs. You may not even have to hit 300 anymore. 300 isn't even sexy to hit anymore. It's nice. It's great if you can hit 300 or 320 or whatever. The pursuit of 400, Paul Molitor, George Brett back in our day, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, gone. I would still love to see it, but that's just because I'm into it. Who led the league in batting average 
And what was the yeah, average? That's exactly what I would I'll like to know. I bet anything was 335 or 340. I don't know. I'm going to have to look the last 10 years. I'm going to see if I can find the last 10 batting champs. Because what Mattingly said was about 15 years ago, nerds, analytics guys, started looking at things numbers-wise. And, and it's just the way the game is now. It's about the shift. It's about on-base percentage. It's about this. It's about that. It's, it's no longer what it was when you and I were growing up. Right. It's all about... Oh, who is the manager of the Orioles, uh, Jim Palmer's Orioles? Uh, Earl Weaver. Earl Weaver. Earl Weaver. Sparky Anderson. Earl was the guy back then that he, this, he would have loved this era of baseball yeah, for hitters because he, he hated bunting. Earl Weaver hated yeah. small ball. Earl Weaver hated bunting. Earl Weaver wanted his guys to swing for the fences all the time. He only won, what, one World Series? Is that right? Yeah, yeah but, but that's because he had such great talent. It wasn't necessarily, I think, his managerial skills, in my opinion. I mean, I, that's just <laughs> but he only I had the one. Right. But he was but he his, one. his team's offenses swung for the fences. He would have loved this era. Earl Weaver hated small ball. And he would have absolutely adored playing in 2021 because that's all his teams have to do. If you have guys that can throw hard, like McClung says, mm-hmm. throw hard, spin the ball, swing hard, you're going to win games in today's baseball. And I don't know how to change it. I don't know how you get it back the other way. Uh, you know, here's, here's something I saw last night. Two things that I saw last night that were actually really exciting for me to watch. I was watching uh, the Braves. I um, can't remember who they were playing, but I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Their uh, pitcher had come up. Mm-hmm. He was 0 for 33. Nice. Okay. He, has, he was still looking for his first Major League Baseball hit. Okay. Okay. Now, he's a pitcher. Okay. He finally lines a shot to first base. It ricochets off of the first baseman. Uh, he hustles his butt down the first baseline, makes it. It's clearly, to me, an error. Mm-hmm. They gave him the hit. Now, okay. you got to get him off the okay. schneid, J.D. Yeah, I, 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 you got to get, get him it. off the I get schneid. It. I get it, but I was like, Kyle, <laughs> back in the day, man, that would have been an error. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. They had a guy. It went out into the gap. Guy made a great play in the gap. I still bust loose around first base, and he's going for two. The throw was not in time. To me, that was exciting. He made a head-first slide into Kids second Kids don't base. care. I loved it. Kids don't care. I loved it. Kids want home runs. This younger generation, these kids today don't understand a suicide squeeze. <laughs> Take a guess. Coming up, I'll tell you the answer. But guess who was the last player to hit 350? 350. All right. Now, I think about it. I'll give you the answer. We'll talk more about this coming up. Also, we'll get to the NBA playoffs, the play-in games. Uh, if you are a fan of these, because we had some more record-setting TV numbers. We'll get to all that coming up here on Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN. That is JD Justice. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. We're talking about baseball right now in the state of the game. We've heard from Don Mattingly and Seth McClung, uh, former major leaguers who are now. Uh, well, Mattingly is the manager of the Marlins. McClung is running a baseball academy, uh, and they had a great Twitter rant. If you haven't seen it, follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, uh, and you can see it because basically baseball now, with all the no hitters we've seen, has turned into swing for the fences. End of story. There's no Ty Cobb era there, going here. There really isn't. Yeah, where someone batted over 400 every time they came in. So, play. J.D., I asked you this, and, and we're going to remove last year because it was only, what, 60 games? Right. But so not including last year, 
Because the correct answer is last year. <laughs> Juan Soto hit 351. But in the last 162-game seasons, or of the last 162-game seasons, who were the last players, do you think, to actually hit for 350? In, 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 in how many seasons? Let's Two? see. One happened in 2010. Hmm. So and one happened in 2008. Okay. So i got to go back that far. Yeah. That's a long time to go. Wow. <laughs> Man, 2008, there was a lifetime ago who's for the, me. Who's the guy that was just let go from uh, the Angels? It was not Albert Pujols. It was but, not Pujols. But Albert did it in 2003. He won the batting title. He hit 359. So that's okay. not a bad guess. It's a great guess, actually. Okay. It's All a great right. guess. I will save the suspense for you. Uh, the last player in the National League to do it was Chipper Jones. He hit 364 in 2008. And the last guy in the American League to hit 350 was Josh Hamilton. How about that? And he fell off the map yeah, after sure that did. in 2010. I mean, Miguel Cabrera hit 340, 344, 348, 341. Uh, Jose Altuve hit 346 a year ago. So did Mookie Betts a couple of years ago. So nobody's challenging the 400 mark that we used to watch. No. Which surprises me if they're telling me everybody's swinging at every pitch. Uh, well, if you're swinging at every pitch... You're not working a count. If you're swinging at every pitch, like McClung said, you're not taking away a pitch. Right. You guys don't have. If, if you're, they know that you're not going to that you're going to swing at this. Pitchers know you're swinging right. at whatever I throw. So if I throw something that's going to break two feet and drop in the dirt, you're going to swing at it. You might hit it. Odds are you won't because this is a game of failure. But they don't have to throw fastballs on the corners anymore. They don't have to paint anything. They don't have to throw anything over the middle of the plate. Let me toss a name out there for you. Yeah. And, and it's going to come back to a Minnesota twin, isn't it? Well, of course it is. Of course. Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's my favorite twin ever. All right. All right. Okay. This guy used to say, I'll go up there, I'll take my wax, I either run the bases or I sit down. <laughs> okay. Ken Herbeck. No, but it is his birthday today. Happy birthday, Ken Herbeck. We should do a whole show dedicated. I've got the Ken Herbeck's birthday. I have his phone number. Right. <laughs> he wouldn't answer, but I have his phone number. He'd say, hello, Carrier. Yeah, he does Carrier uh, HVAC stuff. Anyway, Kirby Puckett. Yeah, but Kirby was a great hitter. He was. Kirby was a fan. Right. Kirby was that Wade Boggs, Tony Gwynn era of hitters. How yes. many batting titles did Kirby win? I One, think four, three, or four. Mm. And he actually challenged the home run title I one year. One you only won one title? Rod Carew won like 11 of them. Yeah, Rod was the best. But I only have, I only have Kirby down for one. I could be wrong about that. I, I Ask have, Siri. Okay. <laughs> right. So I had, okay, my, my, my two favorite twins of all time were Rod Carew and Kirby Puckett from, from my youth. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Rod was like when I was a really little kid and I watched him out at Met Stadium. And, in, and then I cried for like two weeks when they traded him to California. I had an opportunity actually to talk to him. And I said, do you know that my... My brothers and my dad had to calm me down because I said I bawled for two weeks when they traded you to California. He said, you know what he said? He goes, so did I. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> Carew won titles in the 70s hitting 318, 350, 364, 359, 38. He hit 388 yep. in 1977. George Brett hit, was the only other guy to do better than that since then. He hit 390. When he was chasing 400 back in 1980 before I was born. To me, I still think that would be fun for somebody to watch because they're hitting the ball. It's not like they're not hitting the ball. It's like when a guy's on a, mat a massive hitting streak, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's, when you're on that mat, you tune in to see, is he going to get a hit? He's, it's in the ninth inning. He's 0 for 4. He's got another chance. Is he going to get another hit? 
He's hitting three ninety nine and a half. He's hitting mm-hmm. three eighty and a half. Is he gonna? Is he going? But kids, maybe this is what research has told Major League Baseball, and it's not like Major League Baseball is saying, "Go out there and hit home runs." That's not what Major League Baseball is saying. Somewhere, the analytics nerds have figured out, much like in, in basketball, and we're gonna talk about the NBA here before we get out of here, that you have a better chance of winning the more threes you put up. I don't like it. I think it kills the game. I definitely don't like the way that it, that it looks. Mm-mm. But if you look at the numbers, the more threes you put up, if you hit six threes, it's better than three twos or four twos. What, you know what I mean? Like the percentages. I'm not a nerd. I am a nerd. But I'm not that nerdy. No. I haven't figured out that math. I'm not going to sit there with a calculator on that stuff. But they have figured, that's why the NBA has changed since Steph Curry took over the NBA and changed the way the game is played. Now everybody shoots 33s a night in college, in pros, sadly in high school. You ever watch a high school game these days? They're it's the it. same thing. Yeah, I, and it's it, hard to watch. It used to be the hardest thing to hit was a three-pointer because it was so far now out. They all, now it's all it they do. So easy. I'm it's like, all no. Steph Curry's fault. Right. Because before Steph Curry, the three-pointer was a piece in the team's arsenal. Sure. You know, you had Ray Allen or you had Larry Bird or you had Red, Reggie Miller yeah. or whoever was your guy. If they took six threes a night, that was a lot. If Steph Curry takes six threes in a night, that's an average night, maybe a low-end night. I mean, watch the game tonight. When they play the, Grizz- the Grizzlies, see whoever hits the most threes. Usually in an NBA game, whoever makes the most threes wins the game because nobody shoots that way. And everybody shoots that way, and nobody plays a lot of half-court between the three and the bucket in the paint kind of basketball. Same thing goes with baseball. Somewhere along the line, somebody figured out that the more times you just swing your ass off and try to hit the ball over the wall, more times than not, through 27 outs in a standard game you're going to win if you hit more home runs than the other guy. Here's something, since we're talking about home runs. Mm -hmm. How odd was it to see a grand slam in our day growing up? It was rare. Rare. It was very rare. Last night, Miguel Sano hit his second grand slam of the season. Of the week. Of the week. (laughs) Whatever. And and it was was to win. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, you you look at that and you go, oh, man. They used to be pretty hard to achieve, but mm-hmm. no, it's because they are throwing more homer balls. Because out there. guys now, it used to be the guys that could hit your home runs were spots. Your leadoff hitter, kids, back in the day, your leadoff hitter weighed as much as I did. He was all right, speedy. And he was fast, unlike me. Rick he didn't Anderson. hit a ton of home runs. Your leadoff hitter didn't used to hit home runs. Your second guy was a contact guy. Then came your big dogs at three, four, and five. Yep. Now look at a standard lineup, especially in, in the American League. One through nine can hit 20 home runs a year. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's only like a couple of teams, the Rays, you know, the Brewers, some other teams that play speed games. But so many teams in Major League Baseball now are just one through nine. Everybody can hit it out of the park. And that is what may be driving TV ratings to start coming back up. I don't know. Is small ball ugly to kids? Do do young people not like watching Small ball, guys hitting 270, 260, but they can make contact. They're moving guys over, sacrifice fly or sacrifice bunts. That's not a thing anymore. You could even watch the Iowa Cubs play right now. and it's They scored home 16 it's damn runs game. last night. Yeah. <laughs> How many home runs were hit? I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't know. No. I don't. But there How was many? quite a few. How many were hit? Go ahead. Take your mask Take off and tell us. Take your mask off and tell us. Yeah, you okay. tell, tell us. us. Yeah. 
Three. Three. Okay. All right. Was the ah. See? Kira, Kira runs those games since she was listening. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 cow. Yeah. It's just the way baseball is right now, and it's being noticed. And normally I think of guys like Don Mattingly as old red asses, and I'm like, okay, I get it back in my day, and I know I'm old now, but Mattingly, McClung, all these guys, they're all right. Baseball, and I don't know how you change it. You can't say, well, don't hit home runs. You can't say, don't do the shift. You can't say, don't do this, don't do that. It's, it's really up to, it's really up to the, uh, the, the, the teams themselves. You all right, buddy? So. All right. It's really up to the teams themselves that want to change their philosophy. But if you can figure out a way to change the analytics or if you can figure out a way to spin the analytics so your team's not going to swing for home runs the entire game, or, or you're going to be like, I'm going to be the team that steals 100 bases in a year. That doesn't happen anymore either. Right. Remember when Ricky would steal 100? You're like, that's it. Or Lou Brock. That's where he got his contract. Or Rock Reigns. That's what guys right. would, would swipe bases. Who's the stolen base leaders ever? I don't even know. What do you think? Is that even a stat anymore? Stolen base leaders by year. What do you think the, the leader in, for stolen bases was the last time we had 162 games? Because we only had 60 last year. Do you even know who it would be? Uh, Malik no. Smith. How many stolen bases? 46. Led the American League back in 2019. That's nothing. And in the National League, it was Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves. And that's going to be less because they, uh, they don't have the de- designated hitter. 37 led Major League Baseball? 37? Wow. Now, a couple of years ago, D. Gordon swiped 60 and Jonathan VR swiped 62. So at least that's respectable. D. Gordon's done it a couple of times, 64, 58, and 60, but that's gone too, man. That's wow. gone too. Coming up on the other side, uh, the NBA play-in games, and J.D.'s pissed off about Tim Tebow. That's next. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. 15.50 ESPN here on a Friday. A couple more minutes. We'll be back again next Friday as well. Short show next week. And uh, I think we'll have Cubs baseball next week. Cubs tonight taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. You'll be able to hear that one here on 13.50 ESPN. Game one of a three-game series. They just won three out of four from the Nationals. And if you're watching the Cubs, by the way, it's like they'll win three in a row and they'll lose three in a row. They'll win three out of four, then they'll get swept. Their season is not consistent at all. And how is our teams doing, Mike? Uh, my Brewers are one of the worst hitting teams in the history of Major League Baseball. My Twins stink. <laughs> so you and I we, uh, both are, are we, done uh, for the year. No, we're not. <laughs> Ten days from now will be Memorial Day, and then we'll actually get to determine where the teams okay. will go. We will get to that. Uh, NBA playoffs. Are you watching the playing game? I don't even know if you're a big NBA guy outside of your Timberwolves, uh, and you don't usually see the playoffs. You don't usually see the playoffs if you're them. a Timberwolves yeah. fan. I, I pay attention very little. Uh, I, I like the big the big guys, you know, watching the big players mm-hmm. go. But um, there's one play-in game tonight yet. Yep, it's the uh, it's the Warriors and the Grizz. It's Steph versus John Morant. And the listen, I, I bag on what Steph Curry has done to the NBA, but I will tell you this. There is probably not a single player that I enjoy watching play any sport more than I enjoy watching Steph Curry. Do you know what team could have had Steph Curry but passed on him? A lot of teams, actually. Minnesota, a lot of teams. The Minnesota Timberwolves well, they had him twice. Well, I mean, yeah, but they didn't. <laughs> There's six teams that could have had him but didn't take him in that draft. Gosh, yeah, just... um, but they, this play-in thing is interesting. It's, it's, it's 
feels like the NCAA tournament over the last three games. Mm -hmm. And I know that LeBron James was asked about it several years ago, and he was like, all in favor of it. And then a couple of weeks ago, he said, whoever invented it should be fired. Because you don't, you don't like the play-in tournament if you have to play in the play-in tournament if you're LeBron James. And they nearly got beat two nights ago by the Warriors. They advanced. They're the seven. Is that right? The seven? They're the seven seed. Yeah. And they will face the Suns, which should yep. be a fun series. Fun. I'm telling you right now, if I have to bet your paycheck, J.D., there's a lot. If I have to bet your paycheck, I'm still putting my money on the Lakers to come out of the West. Just don't bet against LeBron. He's like Brady. You just don't bet against LeBron. And they've got, any, they got Anthony Davis, and they're the champs and whatnot. They're a, they're a light switch kind of team. They can flip the switch, and they can run through the West. Over in the East, I think it is an absolute free-for-all. I think there's a chance that the eight-seeded Wizards, who eliminated Indiana last night, they got a chance against Philadelphia, who's the one. I just don't think there's a whole lot of separation in the Eastern Conference. Do you remember when they were saying LeBron James is never going to be a legitimate superstar until he wins a championship, and yeah. then he goes down to Miami? They didn't win that year. And it was so like, they, well, there we told there you. Told you it took him a whole year yeah. then to win three, then he comes back and wins one in Cleveland, and then he bolts for L.A., and he wins one the second year once against Anthony Davis. LeBron hate is my... I, I get popcorn out when I see LeBron hate. When I see all these idiots on TV like Skip Bayless or Clay Travis or, uh, you know, whoever, bagging on LeBron, LeBron is one of the th two or three greatest basketball players the planet has ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Watching people bag on LeBron, oh, he had to go to this team, he had to go to that team. You can't win a title without other great players. And just because... This is different than when Mikhail and Parrish and Bird did it in the 80s or when Jordan did it in the 80s and 90s. Jordan wasn't winning anything until Pippen got there. Right. All right? Horace so Grant. Everybody has to have a good team on their own. The only guy ever to get to a finals and win with crap is LeBron. Right. That team that lost the first year that he went with Cleveland was garbage. It was absolute garbage. <laughs> and he almost pulled it off. And you can argue the team that he beat Golden State with that came down from 3-1 to get Cleveland a title was garbage outside of LeBron. LeBron James is great. Yes. He, 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 like he came justice out of or high school or whatever. He came out of high school and almost led his team to the championship. Yeah, they're great. He's great. I mean, he has the perfect body for it. He has uh, the, the, the most talent. I mean, you see, um, he had the game-winning three last night. I mean, he's, he's an absolute monster. So hate on LeBron all you want. I'm a LeBron fan. I will be a LeBron fan until he's done. And, and when I'm he goes a Jordan into fan. But they're two different eras. Why do you have yeah, to pick boring. one? I don't. You don't. I hate that. Uh, we only have like 90 seconds left. I want to know why you hate Tim Tebow. Why do you hate Lefty Jesus? I never said I hated what him. Do you, what, what's your problem with Tim Tebow? I don't think he should be coming back to the NFL. I think he's done. He's been done for a long time. It's just a, a whole, it's just a whole, let's uh, get some sunshine on on me and you know he's not going to make a roster i don't think he will but i kind of like it's kind of like the lebron hate like let's see what happens he's got to beat out three other tight ends to get a job it's his boy urban meyer people are like how can urban meyer give him a job i'm like yeah how do was, most of how do most of us get jobs and it was ian rapaport who was reporting on it and they basically said that um uh, there was another player that says he has no chance at all. No, I mean, he probably game. doesn't, but you never know. I mean, he, he could be the fourth tight end on the team, could be a specialty, who knows. But a lot of people get jobs based on who they know. Sure. You know, there's a lot of people in this world who get jobs based on who they know. Uh, so anybody who's 
like you, hates Tebow. I don't understand why you say I hate him. We have to get out of here. I just want to roll. He needs to move on. Hey, this will be up on podcast at ESPNDesMoines.com. We'll have some more fun stuff. Don't forget about our Facebook page. Make sure you are there. The Dew Tour is in town all weekend. We have some unbelievable photos. Our friends over at A Brug's Life, A Brug Life, excuse me, are down at the Dew Tour taking all kinds of awesome pictures. So if you want to see them, go to our Facebook page. It is a cool event for downtown Des Moines to have. Do this the Tebow. Huh? Do the Dew, do the Tebow. You want to do a Tebow before we get out of here? If I can get back up. That's J.D. Justice. Thanks to Kira for running our board. My name is Mike Wicket. Uh, We'll do it again coming up next week. This has been Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Hey, guys, it's Outdoors Dan. Well, you've been asking for it, and we finally got it done. You're going to be able to take the Outdoors with Outdoors Dan show anywhere you go and keep up with the great outdoors. Just go to ESPNDesMoines.com and look up the Outdoors Dan page and just click on my Facebook link, and you'll be able to live stream the show every Saturday morning, 7 to 9, courtesy of the fine folks at Imperial RV Centers in Ankeny. It's your show. We tried to get it done for you, so tune in every Saturday right here on 1350 ESPN, and you'll be able to take the great outdoors with you anywhere you go. A-plus communications and security is the top grade in connection and protection. Specializing in home theater, multi-room audio video, and home automation, along with 24-hour security monitoring and camera systems. A-plus communications has you covered. Bring safety and peace of mind to you and your family with a free burglar alarm system, a $1,000 value. Includes inspection and consultation, install, touch panel keypad, wireless motion detector, key fob, and three window door transmitters. Your only commitment is three years monitoring at the low price of $34.99 per month. Call A-plus today, 515-645-2345. I remember when I was new at photography, and that's been many moons ago. But I remember the people who helped me get better and showed me the tricks of the trade. That is now my favorite part of what I do, helping you become the best photographer that you can be. I can help you connect your talent to your tools, and you be the star. Instruction, consults, and mentoring. Stop in and let's talk. We're Alexander's Photo, a camera store, not a camera warehouse. We help make photographers. We're your mentor of photography, the gentleman of service for the expert or the newbie. I'm Steve Alexander. We show customers how nice it is to have personal service, and we enjoy sharing tips and techniques every day of the year. Event photography, photo restoration, classes, scanning your photo collection, and a lot more. Get to know us. We can help. Alexander's Photo, Valley Junction in West Des Moines, and alexandersphoto.com. We're the helpful photography store. In 1945, America was emerging from World War II and ready to begin a new chapter. It's also when Firestone Ag rolled off its first tire right here in Des Moines. Now, Iowa is once again emerging from a troubling time and ready to begin a new chapter. Firestone Ag has been here at every turn, every fork in the road. With over 75 years of commitment to the Des Moines community and America's farmers, Firestone Ag is the number one agriculture tire facility in America. Iowa made with Iowa values. If you're ready to write a new chapter in your life, Firestone Ag has a page saved for you. Des Moines Firestone Ag has immediate openings for production operators with a starting pay of $18.25 an hour. With opportunities to earn $27.92 an hour within three years. Full-time employees also receive a full benefits package, including a 401k program, night shift premium, and overtime available. Your story continues at Firestone Ag. Apply online at firestoneagdsmjobs.com. That's firestoneagdsmjobs.com. Proud to be an EEO and affirmative action employer. Hey there, this is Mitch Calusi with Sell Now Iowa, and I buy houses with cash. If you own a house and you want to sell it fast at a fair price, call me. 515-514-1111. I can pay cash and close in as little as 10 days. 
I buy houses in any condition, any price range, and any location around the Des Moines metro area. I'm a private real estate investor who buys several houses a month, and I want to buy more. I buy inherited houses, divorced houses, behind-in payment houses. I even buy the my-tenant-won't-pay-me-their-rent houses. Do you own a house that is trashed and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Does it have a busted foundation or a broken sewer line? Great, because I buy junky houses. I buy